Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. And thank you again for just taking time out of your day to listen to the show. We have been doing a week now on kinder, gentler relationships and what that really means. And the whole concept of that is what goes on in my internal world manifests in the external world. And so how I think, how I feel about myself, how I talk to myself, all these things end up affecting how I interact in my external world. And we gave, I gave great scientific research that they have. Neuroscientists have really discovered a, lots of ways that are proving the very things that God has been telling us about how he created us. So you may want to listen to the first two shows because it, it, we really kind of go into it there. And so we left off on this question of, why are you not worth taking care of? Because the whole idea about managing your inner world is being a really good parent to you, to really being a good caregiver of you, and that that is what God is depending on. And God lives in your own internal home. And you know, when I had this epiphany a couple of years ago, I imagined oh my gosh, if God, I imagine this like couch inside my heart where, you know, he li- like a living room and Jesus is sitting on the couch in my internal world listening to all this yelling and language because maybe I'm not always happy inside and how he might feel if he was a guest and, and lived in my home. And he said to me, he goes, yes, and there's also a little child in there too. And I went, oh my goodness, I am always a little kid with God. And so he's saying, you know, you're an adult in this world at large that we live in, but you'll always be my child. And I need you to take care of that child. I need you to care for her the way I care for her. I died for her. I love her unconditionally. He practices the love chapter with me every day. And and the odd thing is that the enemy likes to convince us, and so does our fallen nature, that if we're really nice to people, patient, forgiving, kind, they'll get worse. <laughs> and it is such a lie. It is, doesn't happen. The nicer, kinder, gentler we are with people, the more relaxed version we get of them. And generally, it will be a better version. Because the people that we get the worst version of, these are the ones that are defended, defensive, hurt, wounded, feeling attacked, unloved, judged, These people we don't always get a good version of. So when I start in my internal home to make sure that I'm a person of peace, that I practice unconditional love, this does not mean that I accept everything I do. And it doesn't mean I don't judge many of my behaviors. But it doesn't mean I judge me and cause me to be devalued because I'm a fallen person. And so I work on really taking good care of myself. And we left off the last um, show 
just me encouraging you to just make some small changes. What are small things you can do to take better care of yourself? Drink more water. Um, maybe curtail some of the TV shows that may or, not, may or may not be very inspiring or helpful to you. Maybe going to bed earlier. Maybe have, have a different way of talking to yourself, being that kind of gentler version to yourself. So remember, it's not easy to do this. It does not come natural to take care of yourself. It doesn't come natural to take care of me. I don't always like doing it. I would rather take care of people and pets than I do want to take care of me. So the question is, why are you not worth taking care of? Why do you feel that way? And what fruit is being produced in your life by treating yourself in a negative manner? By not treating yourself well. So how do I care for and love myself? What does that really look like? Well, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love produces more fruit. So in 1 Corinthians, right? It's when you fed me, clothed me, visited me in prison, did this unto the least, you did this unto me. So when I do these loving gestures unto me, it is truly unto the Lord because I am one of his. So what he's saying is, when you do these things, practicing the fruits of the Spirit, you're doing it unto the least. You're doing it unto me. And so how thankful are you to anyone who loves the one that you love and gave them what they needed? I was very thankful when my father was in the last year of his life that he was in hospice out in Tempe at Friendship Village. Never met more gracious people. I was so relieved and grateful for this 24-hour care that my father had that we could never have given him. And they cared about him. They just didn't take care of him. They cared about him. And I'm very thankful. I have a, my assistants oftentimes will watch our cat if, if we go out of town. And I always can be relieved because I know my cat is going to be taken care of well because I love my cat. And so we love pets. So when we know that they're cared for, how about your children? How about when you're taking them to daycare, when, you're, when you have a babysitter and you're needing them to be taken care of? How do you feel when you know they're going to be okay and you can focus on doing the things that you need to do? So what is the outcome of kindness and gentleness? What fruit is produced? What fruit is produced by kindness and gentleness? What does love produce? Life. All these produce life. Jesus is alive because love cannot be killed. See, even people who are physically dead do not cease to be loved. Think about that. Love cannot be killed. So even if someone is physically dead, they do not cease to be loved. So what happens if I love and care for myself? Let's look at what the outcomes would be. Well, how do I feel and what behaviors occur? What happens if I don't? See, love means do no harm. It doesn't mean cause no pain, right? So sometimes it helps to look at the outcome. What would happen if you were kind and gentle with yourself? 
Now, this doesn't mean enabling myself and simply avoiding necessary growing pains or addressing things that that I may be allowing in my life that are not, not helpful, not healthy or harmful. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about actually being kind. So what if I have to change a behavior that is harmful? I'll give you one. Back in college, I smoked cigarettes, and I loved cigarettes. They were my favorite thing. I came to learn that my biological family, all of them smoked cigarettes. And so I knew I needed to quit. And I knew if I did not quit the day I graduated from college, I would probably smoke the rest of my life. So truly loving myself was stopping that behavior, but not judging myself. I recognized that much of this was, was DNA. It was also the time I was growing up. It was the 80s. It was my time of life, whatever. But enabling that behavior because I didn't want to have the pain of quitting that's not loving. And so when we say that, that, that love does no harm, but not necessarily causes no pain, when I was growing up, I had really big teeth and a really small mouth. And so I had to go to the dentist every six months as a little kid, about eight years old it started, maybe seven. And I'd have to get four teeth pulled out because the roots were so long my teeth wouldn't come out. And so I think I lost one tooth by myself. So when I was in like eighth grade, I think I had four front teeth and one back teeth on both sides and four front teeth on the bottom. I mean, I look like a rabbit, right? And this was painful. But if my parents would have not done that, and it was hard for them. I'm just this little girl. And, and you know, the nurse had to hold my head while the dentist is trying to pull these teeth out. And I'm so thankful they did that because I would not have a smile like I have. So taking care oftentimes means pain. It doesn't mean harm. So how do I feel? What behaviors occur? What happens if I don't care for myself? See, how can I stand and confront others in a healthy way if I won't confront myself? Sometimes I need to intervene on myself. The most loving thing I can do for the ones I love is to take responsibility for me and to not act like a child hoping that someone will intervene on me and stop me or save me from myself. Jesus already did that. He already saved me. But I have to contend with me. It is our responsibility in relationship with others and ourself to support the work that Christ has already done, which is saving me. I need to continue to be saving me right? I'm saved from hell, but I still am responsible for making sure that I'm thriving. Because God says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself. God loves humans. Don't hate humanity. God doesn't. So you love your neighbor as yourself. So this means if I truly love myself, I will be loving myself in a healthy manner because I'm just as important as my neighbor. The better I love me, the better I love my neighbor. The more tolerance I have, the more patience I have, the more long-suffering, forbearance, the easier it is to forgive. And so I'm going to say this to you again. God says this, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And that commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. 
God loves humans. Do not hate humans. We can hate what they do. Absolutely. God hates a lot of things that we do. But he does not hate us. Because if he did, we would all be dead at this point. So if you don't remember anything about this, remember this. I want you to take care of yourselves. You are valuable, loved, and we need you. The enemy wants you to think you don't matter. And that is a lie. That is a lie. So we are to take care of ourselves because we are valuable, even if we don't feel valuable. Because feelings, remember, we talk about this all the time on this show. Feelings are real, but not always true. See, I can feel like I'm not very valuable lots of times, but it doesn't make it true. Jesus valued me enough to die for me and want to be with me for the rest of eternity. I mean, who wants to be with somebody forever? That's an amazing concept that Jesus loves me enough in spite of my fallenness to be with me forever. So we reap what we sow and we reap in kind. So be careful what you sow. So we stop the negative self-talk, the negativity within us that inhibits a kinder, gentler internal world. So we've talked in previous shows about how negativity actually damages the brain changes the organic structure of it. So we need to stop the negativity and increase the positivity ratio. This helps us bring a kinder, gentler version of ourselves into each relationship we participate in. So how do we turn down the negative self-talk? Well, if you're a negative self-talker, you may not even realize it because it may be more unconscious at this point. Remember, the brain is hardwired toward negativity. It's second nature or automatic to humans. And one of the ways that we become aware of our own self-talk is truly tuning in, truly listening to yourself the way you might listen to a dear friend or a loved one. And so I found this, um, uh, this author, her name is uh, Joanne Barker, and she put together this great article about this very thing. And this article addresses negative self-talk and what to do about it. So firstly, we want to realize that this is, not all in our head. It's a way of creating its own reality. This is how powerful thoughts are. They create things. So it's important you understand that the way you think creates its own reality. It has a way of creating its own reality, just like telling yourself you can do something in a way of making it happen. Telling yourself you can do something can also make it come true. So self-talk dictates how you relate to yourself, how you show up for other people. So people who think negatively tend to be less outgoing and have weaker social networks than positive thinkers. People that think negatively are also less resilient. They are more often prone to depression and anxiety. They are also prone to more maladaptive coping skills like um, overeating, um, watching too much television, drinking, pornography, cigarettes, any of the self-medicating behaviors. The more negative my thinking, the more difficult my world is, the more disturbed I feel, the more upset I feel. The more upset the brain feels, the more it wants comfort. And so 
Multiple studies link positive emotions with more satisfying relationships, more romance, and lower divorce rates. So secondly, so we want to first really deal with this negative self-talk and tuning into how we're really thinking. So how much do I allow myself to criticize the world around me? Because it doesn't just have to be negative talk toward myself. How much do I indulge in hating politics or politicians or whatever is going on out there? The latest, greatest. How much do I let myself criticize the person in the car next to me because I don't like the way they're driving? Or the way the person is dressed at uh, the restaurant? Or because the waitress didn't treat me well? How much do I indulge in that negative self-talk? Because we need to stop that downward spiral because negative talk can be a runaway train. Your mind goes around in circles and it's replaying negative events of your own shortcomings and then the more you focus on those negative events and shortcomings, the harder it is to put them behind you. And the more you start to focus, because you get so tired of that, you focus on the negativity of the others around you. So the entire world becomes a much more negative place. So research shows that happy people do put bad days behind them and look at how better off they are now. They look forward to the future. So third one. I need to talk myself out of it. So to change my negative self-talk, I need a plan. So there's four things that I can do to make this happen. I can distance myself. So you can't banish negative self-talk forever, but you can step back. When you notice the negative self-talk occurring, you need to say something like, thank you for sharing. Interesting you feel this way. Anything that causes you to see it from an objective third party position. Instead of, as the negative thought comes, you just swallow it whole and take it in as truth. You need to stop and look back and say, okay, brain, thank you for sharing that with me. I'm not sure why you're telling me that. I don't know how true that is. I don't know if I'm going to buy into that. I don't know where that thought is coming from. But I get a little distance from it instead of just holding it as my own. So the second one, I'm going to distract myself. See, overthinking involves focusing on this train of thoughts that goes around and around and around and around. You can stop that train of thought by simply focusing on something else. Just shift your focus. Meditate on the Jesus prayer. Anything that engages your mind. Think about something that makes you happy. Your pets, your children, the, the latest uh, sports event that went really well. Um, the, the, if you like your job, if you like the fact that it's Friday, anything that you can do to simply shift your thinking. Because remember, you are not your brain, right? You can control much of what goes on in your brain. You can't necessarily control the thoughts that are being generated, but you can refute them, you can ignore them, you can distract yourself from, you can also derail them. And so you can also call them out. So you can give your negative thoughts the third degree. You can say, you can't talk to me that way. I've said to myself in my own mind, you're not allowed to talk to me that way. No, I don't accept that. Enough of that. I'm not listening to that today. So thank you for sharing, but I'm not, I'm not buying into it. And then I switch my thinking to things that, when we think about Philippians, right, think on those things that are good, pure, righteous, of good repute, right? I choose what to think on. 
So when, when you call out a thought and you say, you, you can't talk to me that way, they crumble. You, and you say to yourself, this is really true, or is there another way to look at the situation? So if that thought doesn't crumble in front of me, I crumble in front of the thought, then I need to say, is this a thought or a feeling that's true, or is it just a thought and a feeling that is not true? And is there another way to look at the situation? So it's turning a negative into a positive. Even if I've made a mistake, I can learn from it. We have Romans 8.28, God causes all things to work together for good. So let's say I truly messed up. There's lots of ways for me to think about a mistake. I don't have to just go with the mistake and fall into the valley of woes and then add more thoughts like what a horrible, terrible, rotten loser I am and my whole life is going to go to hell in a handbasket, right? I don't have to get on that runaway train. So the fourth one is I can also save those thoughts for later. So I can set aside a time of day for negative self-talk. So if you hear yourself blaming, comparing, doubting, condemning, write down the thoughts. And tell yourself you're going to come back to it at a specific time later in the day. You can just say, I don't have time to think like this right now. It's going to get in my, the way of my day. So I'm going to write these things down. Because one of the things that your brain does, if you write it down, it doesn't feel compelled to keep giving you those thoughts. So remember, your brain works for you. You don't work for your brain. And fourthly, we need to make it a positive. This means I talk to myself like I would talk to a friend. I coach myself the same way I would a friend. I say things like, I am confident and I have the skills I need and I'm going to trust myself. Even if I have made a mistake, it is correctable. I'm allowed to make mistakes. I can move forward. I can accept responsibility for the mistake, but it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean I'm a loser doesn't mean any of those things. It means I'm human and I can accept it. I can tolerate negative feelings. I can tolerate making mistakes. You be your own best friend. You be a coach. You be an advocate to you. You be Jesus to you. This is extremely imperative that we work on this. And I'm going to pray for you at the end of the show. I know I don't normally do that, but I, I feel kind of compelled today to really pray for our minds, that we have the mind of Christ and that it is protected. So, Lord, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the beautiful design of our minds. And, Father, that you understand our fallenness. You understand the world that we are in and the way that it is going. You understand our fears, our anxieties, our insecurities. And God, you know you always have a plan. Lord, you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And we are not to be afraid nor to be discouraged. God, you want us to see ourselves as beautifully, wonderfully made. Thank you, Lord. And I just thank you for listening. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you join me the next time and uh, check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and on all of social media you'll find me. Have a great rest of your day. 
to hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.